Welcome to Pod Academy. What makes us healthy? That's the question posed by Jane Foote in her latest research on new approaches to community development. Here she talks with Isaac Denzu, a film producer who was brought up and still lives on the Broadwater Farm estate in Tottenham. Jane started by explaining some of the core ideas in her research. We've got a health service, but it is essentially, it's more and more about an illness service. What it does, it does really well, which is help when we're ill. And what I'm saying is we need to actively engage with creating health. So my book's called What Makes Us Healthy. Not what makes us ill, but what makes us healthy. And that affects everybody. What I've described is is health assets. So there are certain things in our world and in our lives that make us healthy, that bring us well-being. They're passions, they're your networks, skills, they're your friendships, they're the associations and community groups that you rely on. It's about participating, it's about keeping on learning, it's about being active. These are all things that bring us health. And where we go for those is is we create them ourselves. We create them with our neighbours, we create them with our families, with our community organisations. So we know that these are the things that bring us health. The health service is good, but we also need a service or we need to start thinking about actively creating health because these this is really getting very, very significant and the way we're organising our world is not creating health, it's bringing us illness. So would you say that in, in disadvantaged areas, like where I'm coming from, Broadwater Farm, that one of our problems is actually a lack of looking at our mental well-being? Because it, 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 when I read it, I, I thought, yes, I thought, this is the answer to, like, to all the pain I felt over these 26 years in this area, that this has been a problem. We, we don't look at our mental well-being and faced with poverty and faced with almost seclusion for mainstream society, you live in a depressed state, um, a very negative mind state. And it, it's, it's very odd because then that does affect the way I eat. And most of my friends eat chicken and chips, which we know is bad for you physically. So... Would you say that's that's what is that one of the major problems of let's say disadvantaged areas of where I'm coming from, like the, our state of mental health or mental well-being? I think the problem with a disadvantaged area is lack of money, lack of power, lack of employment. But there are other things as well that maybe we can do more about, which is our mental well-being. And I would argue that if you have strong mental well-being and you feel good about yourself, even you know, so you, you're coping with the things that, that life brings, mm. you're much more likely to get angry and get organised about the things, mm. you know, the, the practical economic and social things that are bringing, making you poor and disadvantaged. So mm. I don't think it's either or, mm. but I do think mental well-being is, is a really important thing. But I don't think we should assume that disadvantaged areas, for whatever, for a better term, don't have. I mean, people cope. One of the questions, one of the really interesting questions that kicked off this whole area of research and study is some research about why it was that amongst all of the people who suffer from similar socioeconomic problems, who've had similar terrible things happen to them in their lives, some people cope better than others. Some people are more resilient. Some people don't get ill. So the question is... What is it that those people have? 
that protected them against those that adversity. Mm. And I think the quest, you know, an area of somewhere like Broadwater Farm is if we started asking about how people cope, what are the really good things in their lives that we could do more of, that we could sustain, that we could invest in, that we could support, mm. you know, that we could spend more time and money and thinking power to sustain the things that bring people mental well-being, that would help people cope. Now, it doesn't solve inequality, but it helps them live with the situation and fight with the situation. So I think I would start with finding out how people cope because people do cope on Broadwater Farm. People live their lives and they're not all ill and they're not all having breakdowns. Some of them are happy people with happy families and successful lives. I mean, you're an example. What was it about your life that helped you cope compared to other friends that you have? That's that's where I found synergy in your book because for me it was almost dealing with my mental well-being. Uh, in, in a first instance because uh, until I had myself in the right headspace I, I couldn't do anything I didn't feel I could achieve anything I, I didn't feel I could progress I, I felt the world was against me now in doing that it then led me to start thinking about my physical health because now obviously I've got a job so I can't feel tired at 12 p.m., meaning I have to sleep early and eat better food. And it has this rolling effect, and I, that, that's why I'm so interested, essentially, in the psycho-social, because I think in areas like mine, it's so important to, to, to invest in that. And the asset building, what do you really mean by that in terms of, like, what... Could you give me an example of maybe an asset? If, you, if I asked you, what was it that enabled you to cope and to blossom? What were the things that you found in your life? or in your in your environment and are those things that we can build on in my community we've got this sense of never giving up and i just try to redirect that energy in in, in more of a a positive way because before it was just more of a an anger tactic so it was directed at the police and other kind of establishment figures and you're angry with them but that doesn't get me anywhere in life you know it kept me in this little bubble so I think that's one of my first things it was like taking this spirit of like we can't fail you know we I can do something with my life I think that was the first step for me but essentially it's like just the perseverance and just looking at my mother's my own mother's personal struggle and always remembering her telling me look like you've got everything in this country and she does cleaning and is not very happy with it, but she's happy that she's doing something, which I always found quite peculiar. But I, I guess she has a different sense of ownership in Britain than me. She she came here as an immigrant. I, I was born here. So I, I want different things, if that makes any sense. Um, well, this is your home. Yes. You have to make it work. Yes, exactly. This is my home. and But a lot of the time, we, I don't think people on Bullwater Farm feel like this is my home. Mm. You know? And... Or even the way they feel about their home is that it's not the best home, so I don't care about it. They have no, no sense of belonging. That's the place to start. You know, what is it? What are the resources on Broadwater Farm in your community that we can use or we can build on, redirecting all that energy into something that's going to be positive rather than um, self-destructive. Mm-hmm. And how can we build a sense of belonging and a sense of home so that people feel they have that 
some kind of security. And some of that will be practical, physical improvements. This is not all airy-fairy stuff. I'm not saying if you change your mind, you change your world. You don't. But if you don't change your mind, you will never change your world. Yeah. And and that's by changing your mind, you or the changing the way you think about yourself and changing the way you think about things out there in your external environment, maybe you engage more positively, more creatively. You make the connections. You take up the opportunities. You use all that perseverance to make things happen for the good of you and your neighbours and your friends and your life and your family. Mm. And somehow finding that energy and the resources in the community, and that, I think, we start with conversations. It is Mm. about asking people what's really good about your life, about your family, and what could we do more of? And how do you cope with the things that you're living with? And how can we help you cope? Because we don't know the answers to this. And for me, everybody will have different things that help them cope. Every community will have different things that are, that are really working, that we, can, that we can make something of. I think it's a really intriguing approach because a lot, of, a lot of the works that are carried out in communities more focus on the negative aspects of the community and, and try to better them. So I think this is really interesting that you're saying, let's focus on the positive that a community has and let's expand on that, um, essentially, to, to make them feel better about themselves. My but... challenge to public services, for instance, is that they go in, they go, it's, it's precisely as you've said, they have a deficit model of the world. You know, people on Broadwater Farm have all these needs and problems and they're basically a big bundle of deficits Mm. and more professional help is needed to fill the gaps Mm. and I'm saying these people also have assets and resources and you have to go in and speak to them as equal people as people who have something to offer who have passions and energy that you can work with and you have to respect that these people are coping and what you know they have a lot of strengths and we need to work with those those strengths and we need to have services because you will need service you know we still need services and help but those services need to build people's strengths rather than undermine them and make them dependent on professionals it's a very tricky balance because i don't want to suggest we don't need services of course we do but we need services that sustain our strengths rather than treat us as as patients. As, as, as patients. Yeah. I've I've been depressed in my life, but there's no one you can talk to. You go and see the doctor and the doctor gives you a pill. Like I said, I don't want to just stick in a psychosocial, but it's almost I'm so interested in how do you envision someone like me connecting with other people in my community about their mental well being? And, and almost like the practical steps to moving forward to bettering themselves. I think it is a communal thing, but at the same time, it's almost a, such a, an individual experience as well. So it's how do we, I guess, influence one's exterior to then look at their interior and begin to... Because there's no way of us physically getting in someone's head and just, OK, yep. we're going to tweak no, that, no, no. fix this. And, and I think maybe that's why the NHS and the other people have strayed away from it. It's not a quick fix. No, it's not a quick fix. I'm... I think there is more scope for self-help therapy, for instance, and self-help groups which have some skilled professional input but which is essentially 
people helping each other with the kind of mental stresses that end up with, you know, where you ended up, really. If you'd have had people that you could talk to and talk with and and you would be helping them as well as them helping you in a confidential situation where you were able to get some skilled help, but you were also making those connections and making those networks to manage your own mental health is something that you can learn. Now, this doesn't deal with really serious mental illness, but it does help with people who are stressed and isolated and depressed in the in a normal in the way that yeah. we all are. Yes. And we all experience. This is not something that that there are some people who are ill and some people are not. We all have these situations and we have we can learn. Um, and there is quite a lot of experience of self help therapy groups and self help support groups, which maybe that is something that if we had the conversations on Broadwater Farm, people would identify that they would really like to have. Now, they might not call it a mental well-being group. Mm. They may call it a book group. They may call it a conversation group. They might call it um, a childcare arrangement. Mm. They might call it a dominoes club. It doesn't matter. Making those friendships and networks where you can have those kinds of conversations can help. So it's about, it is about self-help. That might be something that would come out of a project of having these conversations. That might be a really, you know positive a positive product you know you would be for me a key asset in that group because you've been through it so what you've experienced is an asset that you bring to help other people who are going through it now so those experiences are something we can draw on as a community and there'll be many other people who have experiences that we can draw on and give people support and advice and experience who are going through bad times now. So that's a, a kind of... For me, that's about having those conversations and seeing things that are sometimes seen as de as negative mm. can be a positive if they're used in the right way. Mm. So your gang work with gangs. I mean, some of the best work with gangs has been by people who were in a gang. Mm. So they have become an asset, whereas they were a deficit. You know, it mm. just depends the circumstances in which people are relating and 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 using their energy and using that experience i think yes talking about the gangs is, is is very interesting and how how could we apply almost your theory to the model of gangs and and get them to look at the assets within the, the, their models as a gang and and then i guess using that to build almost some sort of self-confidence to be to stop them from being so so self-destructive and start to build up their community because essentially they're a gang and that's what they want a sense of community and belonging and ownership but at the moment they feel this is the especially i know with being a young person or getting a bit old now but <laughs> as once upon a time being a young person that's all i wanted my ownership because i had nothing yeah maybe if we spent a bit more time helping people young people kids feel that they had somewhere to belong and that they were respected and they had mm opportunities mm. then maybe they wouldn't join the gang it's worth a try yes, and it's certainly worth having a conversation with people about and yeah. testing it because it's so funny that you you just said that because it, essentially just two three days ago i was having a conversation with a young man on my estate and i was just asking him 
why are you living this life? Like, there's much more out there. And he said something so profound to me that I was quite surprised that came out of his mouth. He said, Isaac, life's about making history. Who's making history on Broadwater Farm? Immediately, I knew what he meant. He meant that those that are in politics will be written down and will be remembered for for what they contributed to social growth, you know, and, and contributed to society. And and essentially, that made me worried about, like, talking now about his mental well-being because he has no ownership or any sense of belonging in this experience of of life, essentially. And no sense that he can make things happen. And... I could now walk, take this, almost this theory, and say, look, you have this and this, and this is what you can contribute to Broadwater Farm, in, and that will make history. But I think that sense that you've got no meaning in your life and no sense of... Positive contribution. Yes, you're not in, you're not have no sense of your own agency, that you can make things happen. And it's really interesting. So 60 years ago, you know, medical sociologists were writing about precisely those kinds of things, that some people, the reasons people cope and don't get ill is because they have this sense of agency in their lives. They can see meaning. They feel that they can make things happen, that they believe in themselves. And there you've got somebody who still feels that lack of all those things and and it's not good for him it will make him stressed and depressed maybe not isolated but you know he's not gonna unless he changes that those feelings about his life he's not going to be a happy person mm, he's he's not a happy person either and he's quite ill at the moment oddly enough so you know it, all this seems to be tying in together so one of one of the issues that I was really interested in is the sense of belonging now, essentially, I'm first generation of an immigrant. So my mother came here in the in early 80s when there was a flux of West Africans coming in um, to Great Britain. Now, my mother, she has no problems with Broadwater Farm because she doesn't see it as home. For her, she has this vision of going back to Ghana, building this house in Ghana and retiring in Ghana. So... She doesn't mind working a cleaning job. She'd love to do something better because then she could earn more capital to make her dream happen quicker. That's also, I would say, prevalent for my, my Turkish friends and what their parents are doing. I know a few Afghanistans as well. And even recently, a lot of Polish people are coming in. And when I talk to them, it's the same thing. I'm trying to just work. And so how can we build communities kind of in that mayhem? I suppose I believe that these... You know, the people you're talking about are really strong people. You know, they have picked up their lives and travelled halfway across the world, made a new home, you know, brought up their children in very difficult circumstances. They have enormous resources and skills and sometimes incredible skills that they're not able to use here. They've got qualifications and knowledge and passions that this society doesn't appreciate or allow them to practice. So, first of all, there's a mass of resources there that we can make something of. But it's really, for your generation, you, the children of these people have also got potential strengths. You share a lot of understanding with all of those children of all these different immigrant communities. But what you share that you've grown up here, you share... you've probably got shared experience of the negatives but you also come with 
a lot of strengths. And, you know, some of the education statistics show that it's the children of migrants who are doing really well at school because their parents are passionate about education. They're mm-hmm. passionate about learning. They're passionate about getting on. They see that as their way out for their children. Now, we know it's not that simple because there's a lot of problems about mobility and, you know, this is a very class-ridden and white-dominated society. But if we say that one of the main things that help people cope and that would bring people a sense of ability to make something of their lives was education and aspiration and skills, we have resources on Broadwater Farm in amongst those parents that could really support children to learn. And if schools were more conscious of that, maybe, I mean, the schools on Broadwater Farm probably are very conscious of that. But it's about looking around for resources. Sense of belonging, I think it's a real... It's a real problem because I don't think the society necessarily wants people to feel that they belong. I mean, they, in a way, they're very mixed messages, it seems to me, mm. from in mm. Britain about mm. whether or not children of migrants belong or mm. don't belong. Mm. Uh, but at the very least, you can belong in your area. You can mm. belong in your town. Mm. You can belong in your networks and in your associations. Mm. You can support your children. You can create your local businesses and your local communities mm. and your local economy. I think it's a real problem yes, because in I a think... way that that exacerbates people feeling that they don't belong to the wider society. They only belong in their own community and yes. we somehow got to make the Everyone, steps out. Exactly. I think it, 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 everything needs to mix because essentially we, we have a community in Broadwater Farm but it's a very segregated community and I mean it's a community full of predominantly immigrants or people that have come into the country, essentially people that are not born in the UK, um, that have come to make this their home. And one of the the scariest things I faced, one of my greatest challenges was, I I remember being a runner and someone kind of saying to me, I was like driving Miss Daisy, and I said, no, this is what everyone's doing. There was a middle-class white boy doing the same thing as me. It's like you have to overcome these hurdles and... That's the problem with these areas. We're not mixing enough with other parts of society and we're segregated and we're only learning, I guess, we're equipped with tools that don't actually help us in mainstream society. We've got all this vast knowledge of things that actually won't help me if I want a nine-to-five working as an accountant or if I want to work in a building site. Or I think that's why you've got spikes of like youth unemployment in such areas because... One, they've got they're equipped with skills they don't know how to transfer into wider in wider society, and two, we just don't belong. I don't think that you know asset based working or principles are the solution to the kinds of things you're describing, but I think having a greater sense of the importance of mental well being and we that we can actively support people who are coping in this situation and help them cope better and help them have some resilience. If we don't help people stay on top in this situation, they will have nothing. They will, you know, the mental, their mental well-being will stop them getting a job, getting an education, you know, fighting for things they want. They will be completely disempowered and isolated and depressed and... They will never engage with these arguments or do anything about this kind of 
inequality that you're describing. So mm. it's not for me that assets solve inequality, but I think unless you feel good about yourself, you're not going to engage with the situation that is is producing inequality. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And don't forget, there's a transcript and links to further information on our website, podacademy.org.